By the raise of hands, who has heard the term body mechanics? What about functional fitness? We get to listen in on an interview today with an occupational therapist who brings everything back to these two terms. Body mechanics defines exercises designed to improve posture, which you're going to hear a lot of talk of 90 degrees today, coordination, stamina, functional fitness or functional movement is exercises that train your muscles to work together and to prepare them for daily tasks by simulating common movements that you might be doing at home or at work or in sports while using various muscles in the upper and lower body at the same time functional fitness also emphasizes core stability and i'm telling you our awesome interview today is with a professional who is all about the core just ask her kids Think you could have a little more fun with movement, with fitness, if you understood why you were doing it? Stay tuned. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life, I want to change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. We are on to episode 93. It's all about the core with occupational therapist Jennifer Fitzgerald. Today, I grabbed questions from listeners to pick the brain of our very own OT. We talk about what are appropriate exercises for kids. Should they be in the weight room? We talked about school and work ergonomics. Is all this virtual learning or sitting behind screens for hours, is it safe? We talk about the elderly and keeping our bodies safe to stay in the comfort of our own home and, and, and so much more. You'll even get a bonus of a love story. Before we get started on our interview, I am so excited and honored to highlight one of our very own Direction Not Perfection listeners. J-Lub states, this is a gentle and redeeming path to healing. These podcasts are so inspiring. Lindsay encourages you to start where you are and understand that no two fitness journeys are alike. She knows her stuff and shares in a friendly and professional way. Definitely worth a listen. Ah, thank you, J-Lub. This just brings the biggest smile to my face. You made my Friday complete. Thank you, thank you. Seriously, this one review gave me motivation for months and months to come. So I can't say it enough. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, if you have been enjoying tuning in, getting anything or any words of wisdom from these podcasts, would you please take a second to jump on your podcast app and rate and review this podcast? I'm going to be highlighting a listener comment of the week so that you know I appreciate you and I'm here cheering you on. I want to know my listeners, know your stories. You never know who you are inspiring. Someone else might need your story today. So thank you in advance for your time and your comments. And again, I can't even tell you how much this lifts me up and fuels my motivation. 
Okay, without further ado, we are once again spoiled today. Please help me welcome occupational therapist, Jennifer Fitzgerald. Oh, good morning, Jennifer. How you doing? Good. Good morning, Lindsay. I have to tell our listeners that I'm looking at you and you're in the beautiful state of Florida, out at your pool, making me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> your background setting's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us what is Florida for you? Tell us a little bit about your family and and what you're up to. I met my husband 18 years ago in church. I sat next to him in church. He was Air Force. So we moved five times in 10 years. Oh my goodness. And our first move to Colorado, we had our son, Kellen. Um, and he was born early, four weeks early. So he had some medical issues, but now he's great due to mommy's therapy and loving family. And then we moved to Alabama where Erin was born and now she's 13 and she has struggled with some medical issues as well, but we are good. Um, And then we moved to Virginia, North Carolina, and back to Florida where Dean and I met. And it is our place where we call home. Um, away from New York, where I'm from, and South Dakota, where he is from. This is our home, and we have wonderful church family and neighbors that are family to us. So you have to go back to the sitting by him at church moment for a second. How did that escalate into anything further? Was there like a, oh, he's cute, or like, what What started this? Well, um, I wasn't sailing that day, so I decided to go to the 930 Mass, and I climbed over a family of four and just started praying, and he's like, ooh, this girl's got a pink sweater on. She looks pretty good. <laughs> and then... Um, By the end of church, we were actually sitting directly next to each other instead of four feet apart. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And um, the homily was about be not afraid. So that gave him the courage to actually talk to me because he was very shy and I was kind of shy, too. So um, I I turned to him and said, have a good week. And that was history. We've been to church every week since. So, okay. Okay. we'll move on. But did it like in that moment, was he like, can we talk this week or did you just see him the next week at church? Well, we exchanged phone numbers and it was odd that I had my phone two years before him, but we were one number off from each other. So like all these God things, you know, pulled into our life. And um, so he called me two days later because I actually had a wedding to go to that day and his name was also Dean (laughs) wow yeah so we um yeah then we had our first date that following Thursday and he went back to work the next day and told his boss that he met his wife oh and I went home to tell my roommate so that was in June and the following um, January, we were engaged and he actually engaged me in church. He waited till after mass and we were actually, the priest and deacon came over and blessed us in the ring and they are still there today. Wow. So um, we get to have our church family back. And then that following August, we got married. So, oh, and then we moved that. a year later and yeah. all it started. 
Okay, we just thank you. You just blessed us all with a really fun romantic story for this Friday. <laughs> I love that. What a great story. And I did not know that. So thank you. <laughs> so so the real reason we pulled you on today, besides just telling us feel-good stories, is that you are an occupational therapist. And can you walk us through a little bit of your history and just kind of bring us up to where you are today? Yes. Um, well, since I was three, I really wanted to be a nurse. I realized as I got into high school, I had um, reconstructive knee surgery and then thought I wanted to be a PT. Um, but then I was looking more at who I was as a person. And I'm a very holistic person and looking at the whole person versus just a body part or mm -hmm. a symptom. And so I always like to get to the root cause of what is going on with them and how can I help them with their life skills? And that's what occupational therapy does. It looks at life skills of everything from how you get dressed or how you feed yourself to how you play golf or, you know, so it it's a realm from neonatology until older life and death and dying. So I really liked that aspect of occupational therapy. My undergraduate, it was just a general rehab degree. So it actually gave me the opportunity to do internships with various rehabilitation services and um, occupational therapy was definitely my choice. So after that, I came to Florida and got my massage therapy license. And then I went to get my master's degree in occupational therapy. So everyday practice, I use my massage therapy, whether they're tiny babies or older adults, there's some sort of muscle work that we all need. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you chose wisely for you. Like you really feel like you fell into exactly your passion and talent. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you work currently more with children. I do. Pretty much my whole practice has been pediatrics, um, but being a military wife and moving every two to three years, I've kept my practice with all aspects. Mm -hmm. So adults, older adults, you know, neuro, cardiology, all the aspects, but I've focused more on that pediatric population. Yes. I am going to steal you for questions from the older population today, but before we sure. do that, um, thinking of kids, I feel like you're going to have an opinion on this. With kids being a little more virtual with school, does that worry you with them sitting in front of a computer all day? Like what are some of the red flags that go up? Absolutely. You know, we tell all of our parents that before the age of two, you should not be watching TV. And, but really there's should be a limit on all this technology, our computer screens and just our regular TV screens. Even if you try this little trick, you put your phone camera up to the computer or your TV and you'll see all the pixelations and how fast they move. Well, that's what our eye and our brain is processing the speed of which all this um, light and pixelation is coming at our brain. So when the normal teacher or in a classroom, you stand up in front of somebody and talk, we're kind of boring because we don't move really fast. <laughs> so the kids are craving that fast moving pace because that's what their eye is used to. Mm. And so now we have all this, you know, Zoom and um, virtual classrooms and that's what our kids are thriving for. So it's really hitting that frontal lobe more, which is 
more of the behaviors. It is very concerning that we really need to take time and go outside more. Whether it's raining, who cares? Let's get wet. Let's splash around in the puddles. Let's be silly. Let's just get outside. Let's take some breaths of fresh air and even do brain exercises, you know, crossing body and different things. So So that's, and I feel like that's always my next question for you is, okay, so the worry is there, but then the solution or not solution, but something to work towards is the breaks is what I'm hearing out of you. Yes. 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 So even if someone's not doing it perfectly, even if they don't know how to cross body and go outside. Absolutely. Still, whatever you go out and do, it's going to be, you got to get away from the computer for a little bit. Yes. Yes. Okay. I actually got to go walking with you. It was months ago. And I love this. I was picking your brain. You're going to, I'm just going to have to start paying you at some point. (laughs) Even when we walk and talk, I'm asking you questions. Before we move off of kids, you were saying how, you know, we see those middle school or high school kids hitting the gym and lifting weights for their sports teams where you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You go and even talk to sports teams. So for our mamas out there listening, we would love some of your wisdom behind what our kids should be doing Uh, for their physical activity that is appropriate for their body development? Sure. When you start as a baby, they need to start rolling over. Progression is rolling over, sitting, crawling, then they stand up, then they cruise the furniture, then they start walking independently. I've even brought that to my stroke patients because all of a sudden, if I had a patient and she was in a coma and she ended up walking out of rehab because we did all the, these special cross patterns. I brought her back when she woke up to sitting on the edge of the bed, to crawling on a mat. So I put her through all those progressions that we would have as an infant, but that's because that's what the brain needs to develop. So take a school-age kid, they really need to ride a bicycle because that reciprocal movement of the legs is what connects the brain and body. Running to play tag, that start and stop, that, oh my gosh, it's critical thinking, it's teaching the brain to shift really quick, Um, just simple games like that, tag, hide and go seek, um, just to get that brain to be able to process, you know, just even a simple card game with kids because get away from the technology. Let's play card game. All ages, we can have the kids with grandma and grandpa and the whole family can play a simple card game of garbage or Uno or something like that. So my kids used to like to play that with my mom because she had dementia, but yet she could understand how to match color. Yeah. Um, and even numbers, even though she didn't understand what the numbers were anymore. So just, but again, now we're doing math problems for those younger kids, like, okay, and we're matching colors. Those are all pre-math skills. So just getting out there and doing, um, you know, family exercises or even having the kids. And then for the older kids, yes, the sport teams are always saying, Hey, get out there, lift weights. Um, developmentally before the age of 15, they really shouldn't be lifting weights because, you know, you think about the growth plates um, and people have heard that like, oh, there's growth plates. If a kid breaks an arm, oh no, we need to really watch that growth plate to make sure it's not damaged. Well, okay, well, what's the difference of watching your growth plates for a broken arm versus lifting heavy weights? Yeah. So there's really, you know, you don't drive a car before the age of 15. There's probably a reason for that, you know, critical thinking reasons, but also just 
physiological body, your body, you know, you have to put the brake really quick. And, you know, so that reaction time, but the same reason for lifting weights, you know, you get these 13 and 10 year olds in there and, oh, well, daddy's lifting this much weight. I'm going to beat him, you know, and now we've got actually injuries um, because their body just can't handle it. Yeah. So your recommendation on that though, like their own body weight is appropriate to do the sit-ups or the push-ups or the anything that's just within themselves is a, is a green go, right? Absolutely. So their own body weight, and then even just resistive bands, you know, Mm -hmm. those um, resistive bands, because that builds um, muscle strength as well as endurance. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have, you can have more repetitions, to build that endurance, but you're also building strength. Yes. And that brings back to really body mechanics too. I'm very stickler on body mechanics and a 10 year old or 12 year old in the weight room doesn't understand where their body is in space, which is, we call that proprioception. So where is my body in space? And so now they might throw their hip out or they don't have the proper core strength. So now we have kids that have back injuries or shoulder injuries at such a young age because their body mechanics, they don't understand how to control their body. So I just wanted to touch base real quick on puberty and especially with girls with their hips widening. And if you're in the weight room now, there's a higher risk of that injury. Um, So having the proper body mechanics, so that would really be helpful. Um, I actually worked with a cross country team in Colorado when we were out there and they had 50% injuries on their team. I gave them simple core exercises. We went to 0% injuries and winning states. So I didn't do that. The kids did that because they put the work and effort, but it's giving them the right tools to actually do what their bodies are supposed to do at that age. Yeah. And how much better we can be if we're not injured. I mean, seriously, just the pure effect. Yes. Of staying healthy early so that as we progress through all these phases of life, we can come at it with our best self and not those previous injuries. And it's funny. I was talking to a personal trainer about this one time as like 30 year olds, we were going, can you imagine how much better we would have been at our sport if we would have like known what we know now from a nutrition from, cause she was yes. personal training. And I'm hearing that out of you as OT that like, we could have just excelled. And that's what you helped this cross country team with was right. you gave them the, the knowledge power to, to stay healthy. So, ah, oh, that's so cool. What if, what if parents were going, okay, I hear you, but my kid is walking into, you know, a coaching situation where they are demanding lifting practices two days a week, three days a week. What, what do you, how does like a parent come at that? Well, I have been one of those parents <laughs> no. with my own children. <laughs> so I've given my kids the tools and I have to trust that they will do the correct thing. And they have actually gone to their coach and said they will not be in the weight room, but they will do resistive bands and different things instead. And so teaching our kids And the reason why, if they know why they shouldn't do it, they're not going to do it. Yeah. If they still go ahead and do it, maybe it would be best to hire a personal trainer for maybe three sessions so that the kids can learn their own body mechanics and how they can use that body mechanics. 
um, when I worked with professional baseball players, and I tell this to the sport teams, the high schoolers, when I use it, they were using, you know, 12, 15 pounds free weights, and I brought them down to five pounds and then eight pounds, and they could hit better. They didn't have their elbow injuries when they were um, pitching. It's not about, oh, how much weight I can lift. Yeah. It's function. Yes. And bringing it to function for what I'm doing. So baseball players, lacrosse players, um, volleyball players, it's what is their job? Yeah, their end goal, their, their position. And yeah. how are they using their body? You know, a hitter for volleyball needs to work on their vertical jump. So how are we going to do that? You know, a lacrosse goalie needs to work on weight shift and um, rotation of their trunk. So how are we going to get those skills? But not damaging our body. Yes. And so a takeaway for a lot of parents, no matter what would be lessening of weight and like more repetition type thing where they're like practicing that movement or using that light weight to get stronger, but not from a like bench pressing a hundred pounds type of thinking. Yeah. Um, which this just kind of sums up your whole career because what you're saying is you can look at a sports player that way. You can look at an elderly person, which what is their end goal? Their end goal is to live alone. And so therefore you're going to work on everything to keep them safe in their own home, right? Like this crosses right. over all age groups. You use the word body mechanics a lot. And I feel like it's kind of our whole topic today. And we're going to keep talking about it. Can you define it a little bit more in um, layman's terms for our, for all of us? Yes. So if you keep the rule of thumb that your shoulders are over your hips, your hips are over your knees and your knees are over your ankle and you're keeping that body alignment, now you're being compliant. So, but even if you're doing a seated exercise, we call that 90-90 sitting. So your hips are at 90 degrees, not 45 or 30 or 110, they're at 90 degrees. So from your trunk or your, you know, middle part of your body to your upper part of your leg, that's in your hip joint is 90 degrees. Then from your knee joint, that is 90 degrees as well. So a lot of chairs, you know, you might have to readjust your position, but you really want to be 90, 90 sitting. So hips and knees are at 90 degrees and then your shoulders remain over your hips. So that would be a good sitting posture. And then if you were standing again, your shoulders remain over your hips and they remain over your knees. So it's straight body alignment. Now you're just, you know, pelvic tilt. And that's so hard to describe that's via a podcast, but people can Google that pelvic yeah. tilts. Um, but that's where that comes in to maintain your core strength so that you're not compensating by pulling your shoulders back, rounding them forward. You just want to keep that straight posture. So body mechanic is when our body is in its appropriate position. Body alignment. Yes. Body Perfect. alignment. Yes. So you'll think this is interesting. Um, I went to the chiropractor the other day and, and you might have this tool too, but like he took pictures of me and a side pose, a front pose, and then he was able to graph it on his computer. And my neck sits like 
I think a solid three inches, something out forward where my normal 10 pound head all of a sudden, because it was sitting forward as much as it was, is now a 30 pound head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, and I know I'm guilty, like as you're describing the 90 degree knees and my my pelvis at a 90, I am a sit forward. I know my angle's (laughs) wrong there. I know my head's always forward. It's interesting to know how much that can start to affect us. You are so motivating. And I know people that you've worked with, my aunt being one of them, that because you are so knowledgeable in this area, like as you work people through their exercises, you're amazing about talking them through why does this matter? And I kind of want you to talk to our listeners a little bit about this today too. You know, people who have knee pain or hips and who have gone through PT, but they do their exercises and then they kind of go away. But I think a lot of times that's because we don't truly understand like what that exact exercise is providing. So I was wondering if we could almost like take a pseudo case study type of thing. And if you were walking someone through why their knee PT there, those exercises mattered. Like what, what is some of your talk with your patients as you're, as you're taking them through their session? We together talk about their posture, you know, and I might bring to their attention, you know, one shoulder's higher than the other. So then we might look in a mirror and say, you know, oh, look at this pelvis, you know, I might lay them on the floor. I will put my thumbs on their shoulders, their hip bones, even their knees and feel so they can actually feel where their body is not lined up. Yeah. And then what exercises do we need to do this and why do we need to do this? So for example, if the knee is hurting, well, the left hip is higher than the right hip and the right shoulder is higher than the left shoulder. Okay. Well, why is that happening? Okay. Mm. Why? Well, let's take a look how, show me how you walk. Okay. We definitely see that you're pulling your shoulders forward. When you walk, your butt is sticking out. You're locking your knees. You're not doing we call it heel toe strike. When you walk, you should always walk with your heel to your toe, not toe to heel. Yeah. We're not flat footed. So let's look at all of that. And then explaining, you know, the muscle balance, like, okay, your knee is probably hurting because all of these muscles are not working together. Like a, like your car, you know, for example, your, your car, you have to have your oil in good shape, all of your fluids, your tires have to be the right pressure. So now our bodies are the same way. So it really, and you know, my kids laugh at me when I, they tell me, so now they're all like, it's all about the core (laughs) because it is, it's all about the core. (laughs) I need to get you a sign. Maybe you already have it that says it's all about I need one. (laughs) So it's like, because, you know, if we, so years ago, I learned this, that Proximal stability gives you distal function. So what does that mean? Proximal means close to, distal means away from. Mm-hmm. So proximal stability, which would be our, you know, anywhere from our shoulders down to our hips, that's your core center of your body. That stability and strength and good alignment is going to provide that distal function, which is anything 
in your arms all the way to your hands or your hips all the way to your feet. So all that is distal or away from that core. So if we don't have that core strength or stability, then our knee starts to hurt. Our ankles hurt when we walk long time or our feet hurt. Our bones start to kind of crush together or we might have a bunion forming or so there's different things that we really all comes back to that proximal or core stability. Thank you. That was so beautifully said and motivating right out of like that, because if knowing that our core is that important and oh, I, I love that your kids already know that they will be such <laughs> healthy little beings as they continue to grow. It's motivating to know if I work on this, it's going to ripple into every aspect of my body down to my toes, out to my hands. So, yes. so cool. Thank you. I should have asked this while we were on it. It was, it was further down on my list, but one of my clients really wanted to know, she does not feel like her ergonomics at her work, her desk are, are appropriate. And I feel like you kind of already were starting to say this. She's worried whether she is sitting at her desk or looking at a phone or whatever the work day would bring for her that she's ultimately hurting her body because depending on how busy the day is, she can be in front of that computer, you know, anywhere from five, six, seven, eight hours. And if she already doesn't feel like her desk or her chair are appropriate, what, what, how would you be talking to her? So we go back to that 90, 90 sitting and um, we actually, I actually sit on a ball sometimes one of those therapy balls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have cushions that I sit on, especially long-term sitting. Um, so there's definitely um, different ergonomic pillows you can sit on for your pelvis alignment, um, but also getting that 90-90 sitting. Then I actually have a, you might see it, it's like a hard top with a pillow bottom that yeah. I put my computer on. So now it elevates my computer and my arms are resting so that again, your shoulders are, so your elbow is not resting on the table or your desk. It is actually kind of free floating, but you're not lifting your shoulders up. You're just keeping them nice and relaxed. So your mouse, your computer has to be elevated onto a certain level. There's even little slant boards that you can get so that your keyboard is a little slanted. So now you have that nice rounding of your wrist that should be. And I think of, um, I used to, I took piano lessons when I was little. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they said, make a fist and then open your hand and let it just like, there's a pretend softball underneath your hand, Yeah. but keep your fingers and hands soft. Well, that's how I actually type now. And it, I don't have any joint pain when I'm typing for long, you know, if I'm doing reports for four hours, really just keeping that 90, 90 sitting for your lower extremity and then your upper body as well, keeping the shoulders down, keeping the elbows so that that's kind of 90 degrees as well. Like somebody could even come in and take a picture possibly of her from like a side view. Absolutely. And then when I would do ergonomics for for people in the workplace, it was, you know, take a picture, let's set up your workplace. When you were starting to talk about the the hard top pillow underneath, like I knew those were for computers, but I thought you were going to tell her to sit on one. 
I was going to be like, no way. I've never heard of using this for so different reasons. Well, I guess you could. <laughs> no, no, Lindsay. It's really for your computer. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Let's get some client questions here. Why do you always say to drink water after you exercise? That is critical because when you are exercising, you know, everybody hears the term lactic acid, but really what is lactic acid? You know, I asked my family, I'm like, what is lactic acid? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, exactly. Nobody knows if you say lactic acid, but the real term is metabolic waste. It's everything that your body does not metabolize. So we do not want that to stay in our muscles so we need to void it out. And what better way to be able to void it out is to drink a lot of water and flush that system, flush out those metabolic waste or lactic acid out of our muscles. Because when we work out, the muscles do a pumping action. If you do an arm curl and you bend your arm up and then you straighten it out. So our muscles are getting compressed and released as well. So let's keep that going by flushing our system out with water. Because if not, that's where we get the, the joint pain or the muscle aches and pains because all that metabolic waste is getting stuck in the muscles. Oh, awesome response. Yes. Again, knowing the deep why behind it makes you so much more motivated to go do it. It's not just drink water, drink your 64 <laughs> ounces, drink your, <laughs> yeah. Right. And so many people do not like drinking water. I put fresh cucumber in my water sometimes or a fresh slice of pineapple. So now you're just getting fresh natural flavor without those artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Yeah. And some extra vitamins creep in there too, which is right. perfect. Thank you. That was awesome. All right. Here comes another question for you. How often do I have to do something or how long does it take to have muscle memory kick in? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it takes 10 thousand repetitions to learn a skill. After you've learned it to become a master at it, think of how many more times you need to do that to master it. So yes, you can regain muscle memory from getting rid of old bad habits and forming new habits, but your new habits have to be consistent, concise, for 10,000 repetitions to learn that skill. And I'm not saying because people are like, how am I going to do 10,000 repetitions? Yeah. This is over probably one to six months. Yeah. Yeah. So like my little infant babies, getting them to roll over and doing both sides, not just rolling over to your right side, it's rolling over to your left side as well. And I even teach this to my older patients. You know, what if you became hospitalized and now you can only get out of the left side of the bed, but you're used to only getting out of the right side of bed at home. Well, what are we going to do? So we have to create muscle memory to both sides of our body to create that right brain, left brain connection. And there's a part of the brain called the corpus callosum, which divides the brain from our right hemisphere and our left hemisphere. And those nerves have to cross that barrier so that we can learn these skills 
over those 10,000 repetitions, then we can actually start to master that skill. You think of a pro golfer, how many times did they swing that golf club Yeah. to get that mastery of, you know, and they don't get a hole in one all the time, you know, but it's still, they may swing that golf club so many times just to get two swings in a hole or three swings. So, right. Right. Oh, how have you never told me? Maybe you have, maybe you've been shouting this 10,000 fact at me forever, but I love that. Cause I mean, you're with me a lot. You always join me on accountability groups and whatnot. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is just that power of positive, you know, thinking and changing our, our thought life and for people to hear, I need to, to, in order to really change my thinking, I need to practice it that often every day to actually yes. make a difference. Yes. And people can't expect a change within the first few days. I mean, you're going to f- notice a difference, but the real change comes from when you've done this at least 10,000 times, and now yes. you're doing it 20, 30,000 times. Yes. Because then it becomes not a, I mean, it becomes habitual, which yeah. is a good habit, not a bad habit. Yeah. Like that you're naturally doing it. That comes back to that muscle memory. You're doing it out of just because you're used to it versus oh, that. Yeah. I have to think about this every stinking second. Right. Yeah. And there's so many um, neurologists that I have listened to their lectures and been to classes over the last 20 some years. And that's one thing that they really hit on in all of the lectures or classes that I've been to is all those neurologists really focus on that because our brain goes, yeah, is all the um, repetitions, you know, it takes those 10,000 repetitions and that our, the neurons in our brain, we have bursts throughout our life. So we may have a burst um, when we're born because now we're in this big, bad world that we're no longer in the safe environment of the womb. And then at age two, that's why they call it the terrible twos and, and threes, I feel are worse than twos because those neurons are just, there's another bundle that just got released. And then at age eight to nine and then 12 to 13, now you get the hormone mixes on that. Then you get your twenties and thirties and your hormones are shifting different. And now your neurons of your brain are starting to, you still are getting blossoms because you're trying to work hard so that you don't get any deficits. And then as you age, like that's why those repetition, repetition in every day, not just going to PT for eight to 12 weeks. It's when I get home and I no longer have my PT, I still need to do even 10 minutes a day, twice a day, you know, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night, it's getting repetition and it's helping that brain to process what you need to do. Can we just hone in? Cause I think both you and I speak the same language on this hang in there little by little by, and you just hit it even with the 10,000. You made sure to say, it doesn't have to be 10,000 to feel or see results. It's just, we're working towards that as we're seeing some results along the way. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome answer yet again. Okay. (laughs) This, we might need, this might not. Can new muscle memory that is good for you and done correctly overtake years of muscle memory that was wrong or harmful for you? which I feel like you kind of Yes, answered, and that goes back to your 10,000 repetitions done in the correct way each time. So forgetting all of the way we used to do things, and you know, we're all creatures of habit. Right. And so that's where our new habits that we form are critical for 
as we age, you know, even from a, a baby, you know, they, their lifespan, we need to teach good habits, but we can also teach the old dogs, new tricks. We totally can. Yeah. So, and it's by that proper body mechanics that we talked about earlier, doing those 10,000 repetitions. And of course it's going to be more than 10,000 because we're going to do maybe 20 in the morning, 20 in the night, five days a week. Yeah. Or seven days a week, whatever people choose, but. Right. Which might lend us right into this next question. This is a dementia question for you. Cause I have a feeling that all of this just kind of goes together, but the question was, can occupational therapy help keep a dementia patient out of rest homes? And like, what are the top three to five exercises to be doing to in maintenance as much as possible? Absolutely. And the answer is yes. So we can keep our loved ones at home as long as we can. Um, and there's so many exercises that we can do, but one that I give all of my patients because they can follow pretty easily is clasping their hands together, having them rest it on their lap. And then just as they breathe in, they lift their arms up over their head. And then as they exhale, they bring it back to their lap. So a dementia patient can follow that. And sometimes I grab those clasp hands and I do it with them. Hmm. So, but I'm like telling them, take a breath in, we're going to breathe. <gasps> and I demonstrate that because, but my mom, you know, had dementia and she declined really fast, but even in the last stages where she couldn't feed herself anymore and she couldn't walk anymore, she could do these and she could, I could help her follow them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a good one. And then clasping the hands and um, having them at chest level and just opening your arms up and then putting them back together. And then the other one is just kind of that rotation of having your hands clasped in the middle of your lap and then touching the side of your left hip and then back to the middle to the right hip and back to the middle. And the reason is our rib cage is supposed to expand and contract. And what happens is when people with dementia or debilitating diseases as they get older, the breath starts to diminish because our rib cage can't expand. So we have to keep that mobility going in our rib cage and our rib cage is supposed to move up and down. So that's where that up and down movement goes in. Our rib cage is supposed to kind of rotate with us in our spinal cord. So that's where that also comes into place. And also it's connecting those neurons in the brain that we talked about as we're crossing our body to tap the left hip or the right hip. And so now those brain um, neurons are crossing that, that barrier to do that. So those I feel are really critical. And then for the lower body, just straightening and bending the legs to keep those knees moving. And then the other one is I call them my chair push-ups, and they just literally just put their hands on the handle of their chair and just try to sit, like sit up taller so that they're working those upper arm muscles, um, our triceps and even biceps. And we're just doing that. And then also just practicing sit to stand if it's still safe for them to do that mm -hmm. in a and proper technique. So just those simple little few little exercises daily, it takes less than five minutes. They can stand at a countertop as well. Um, so standing at a countertop and just walking side to side back and forth 
and doing marches, you know, tiny marches. Oh, I'm going to march today. And you could put on the old time people know John Philip Sousa marches and they know all these, you know, big band things. And so I use music because for all ages, because music is one that um, facilitates and develops the corpus callosum, which is that center part of the brain. And that's really critical for dementia patients is having that corpus callosum really strong and developed. So music and those reciprocal movements, like because they can't ride a bike, but they can sit in their chair and they can march their legs. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you. You summarized that beautifully. That really answered that. And I feel like to absolve any people from feeling like it's their fault, if they can't keep somebody in their home, this is not what Jennifer and I are talking about right now. It is just things that feel a little bit in our control that we could do, like you said, daily or a couple times a day would probably be even better, right? But yes. once a day would be great. And if you end up having to put them in a home and when you go to visit them, you can do these with them and have that quality time with them as well. So yeah. Oh, so good. You have a fun day ahead of you. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but is there anything we've crossed over everything from young to older? What if you could like wrap your arms around our population and just give them some either mother words of encouragement or OT professional words. Do you have, what do you, what can you leave us with? It's all about the core. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> so just keep telling yourself it's all about the core and do your 10,000 repetitions. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect. <laughs> but have fun. You know, my dad taught me that you need to learn to laugh at yourself um, to be able to move on and, just have a fun, loving, heartfelt life, you know, and just be true to yourself so that you can be true to others. Well, you can tell that that rippled right down or trickled right down to you because I can see this within your family unit so much. Like when I see your kids, you have such a good relationship with your kids and that you'll grab them and go walking or do pool exercise together. And it's not because of a should or a have to, you can tell that this is just genuine time that you enjoy spending together. Jennifer, you, you live what you preach and it makes me so proud of you. And I just feel so honored that we got you today. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. (laughs) Thank you. We'll, We'll catch you another time. Okay. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you, or you could picture that exact person who needed this, I'm always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2020 the year that we are going to pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also always appreciate when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open to new information, keeping an open mind to the fact that our journey will look different now, a year from now, five years from now, slow and steady, y'all. It's not always instant gratification and it's not always that exciting, but a much gentler, redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all of the years of every season of life. I cannot wait to catch up next Friday. Cheers to health and happiness.